Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I have told our audience we're trying to make this our Christmas spectacular, trying to really make this kind of a, like, I'm not quite old enough for this, but I'm aware of, like, the Bob Hope Christmas shows and things like that, like Bing Crosby Christmas shows. Like, we're trying to make this kind of like one of those, like, sort of holiday variety show type things. We don't really have a lot planned to make it actually feel that way, but... I like the idea of it. I did bring in a Santa Claus hat today, and of course, for our audience on the podcast, you don't can't see this, but I have a Georgia Bulldog Santa Claus hat that will absolutely not fit on my head. So if I squeeze this thing on my head like this, does that does that make it seem like Christmas? I don't know. I don't know how this is working. It just doesn't fit. And this is like an off-the-rack Santa Claus hat, which if you want to get an idea of how big my head is, the fact that the Santa Claus hat doesn't fit at all is probably an example of that. So we will uh, let Eddie wear that instead because it just does not fit on my head at all. I'll also tell you this really quickly, and then we'll kind of get into the content. So, um, you know, behind the scenes here, a little bit of inside baseball, our normal producer is Michael Carvel. And Michael, like a lot of people would obviously want to do, is taking a day off here before Christmas to be with his family. And we're certainly hoping he's enjoying all of that, which means that Connor Raleigh, who many years ago was living in Atlanta, one of our you know producers around here, but has since moved to Athens and kind of taken on some different duties and responsibilities. But just so happens that Connor was going to be here in the Atlanta area here this weekend. So he volunteered to come in and do the show. So this morning when I woke up and I wake up early in the morning and the first thing I heard was that like wind and you know, just like a whipping around and whistling outside. And obviously it was 15 degrees, whatever it was. I was like, gosh, Connor's going to kill me for having to come in and be a part of such a cold weather type show. But listen, that's what we do around here. Uh, we we uh, endure. You can't call it Dog Nation Daily unless you do it every single day. And we absolutely do it every single day around here. And so we're happy to have you with us for it for our Christmas spectacular. Now, one more piece of business to take care of, and then I promise we're going to get into everything else. As we do this show here on a Friday, obviously we're thinking about Christmas, but it's also... I believe a happy birthday to uh, be given out to uh, one uh, Georgia coach, Kirby Smart. Today, he celebrates a birthday. And who would we be around here if we didn't wish Kirby Smart a happy birthday? He's 47 years old. So Kirby's 47 years old. So I've said this before. I'm a little bit younger than Kirby is, although he probably looks younger than I do. But I'm a little bit younger than Kirby is. There is a chance that for the rest of my career, I'm just sort of talking about Kirby Smart. <laughs> like for the rest of our professional lives, he's coaching Georgia. I'm uh, doing something like this. It's kind of weird to think, you know, how connected we might be. Uh, but really nice from Georgia giving out the happy birthday to Kirby Smart. And have you noticed that Kirby always gives out happy birthday to all his players? So Kirby's always a little bit of a happy birthday guy. And now he gets a happy birthday told to him. So here at Dog Nation, we also uh, join in to say happy birthday to Kirby Smart, 47 years old today. And we certainly hope he enjoys it in happiness. I'm imagining as a kid, it probably wasn't the most fun thing in the world to have your birthday be on December the 23rd. I'm guessing that's probably the case. But hopefully Kirby gets a cake of his own before all the uh, celebration turns to Christmas here this weekend. And hopefully Kirby Smart does take some time to do all that. Uh, we certainly wish that to be the case. Now, let's get into the news of the day. Last night we were on a video here for a moment. And we reacted to this then. I want to react with all of you right now. I think it's absolutely huge that Georgia has added two names out of the transfer portal at wide receiver. You're talking about Ra Ra Thomas and you're talking about Dominic Lovett. Thomas from Mississippi State. Uh, Lovett from Missouri. In fact, we'll show you on the screen here. Very nice dog nation edit of uh, Thomas and Lovett, how they're going to look here. You got Thomas already wearing the Georgia jersey. Uh, Lovett wearing the Missouri uh, jersey that he had great success in here this year. But nonetheless, two very impressive wide receivers. You know, Lovett 
Hubbard exceeded 800 yards receiving last year. Thomas exceeded 600 yards receiving last year. Those are big receiving totals for both of these guys. And now they're going to be playing for Georgia, and has been pointing out by, pointed out by a lot of others. When you look at the guys who've been the most successful catching the football in the SEC this year, a good number of those guys are actually returning to play or joining Georgia to play next season. This is a team that all of a sudden starts to bring back a lot of productivity on the offensive side of the ball. And to me, the thing that you like about Lovett and about uh, Thomas more than anything else is the number one question that must be asked of any player that arrives at Georgia, they're already able to provide an emphatic answer of yes to. The, the most important question being asked of any player when they come to Georgia is, can this player hold up in the SEC? Can this player withstand the rigor necessary to, to compete in a conference like this? And let's face it, sometimes the answer to that question is just no. There are guys who maybe come here or come to a place like Georgia, and when they get here, you find out of, oh, gosh, they looked okay on film, but that was against Big 12 competition. Or, oh, they looked okay on film, but that was whatever else. When they get here, you realize, gosh, they don't run quite as well as I thought they would. Or, or, or whatever issue that might might exist with some of that kind of stuff from time to time, that sometimes happens. Of You're saying, I have to look at this guy on film, and or I have to like rely on my scouting ability and try to decide, how does this translate to the SEC? Well, in the case of Thomas and the case of Lovett, you don't have to wonder about the answer to that question because they've already proven that they can do this. And, you know, they have succeeded. I mean, in the case of Lovett, the big numbers that he put up at Missouri were put up with a very shaky quarterback situation. I mean, a lot of y'all know this. Now, Missouri gave Georgia a good game. We'll all admit that. But across the entirety of the year, and I'm not trying to be funny, I'm not trying to be snarky here, Missouri had some real issues at quarterback. And for a guy like Lovett to still have 800-something yards receiving on a team that had a hard time throwing the ball other than that, that's, that speaks to something here. And for a guy like Luther Burden, who's at Missouri, and all of us would say, hey, those of us who try to follow this stuff closely would say, man, Burden's a real talent. Well, uh, in almost every area, Lovett's numbers exceeded Burden's this past year to give you an idea how impactful he can be. And you'd say similar things about Ra Ra Thomas there as well. The other thing you have to say here is, is that, look, the Georgia wide receiver situation just needs more productivity. And if we look at all the Georgia receivers individually, there's a lot to like about all these guys. There really is a lot to like about all these guys. But but the group collectively, you'd like to see a little more from it. Now, I'm more than happy to concede this. The number one reason I believe, I was thinking about this before the show began, the number one reason I believe that maybe Georgia, from a wide receiver standpoint, hasn't fully exceeded or matched the expectations you might have for that group, may actually be totally out of its control. And a lot of you are aware of this. Think about the injury situation. You missed A.D. Mitchell this year. How good could A.D. Mitchell have been if he played for an entire year? I think we're left to believe he could have been pretty good. That's just bad luck. And it's not the first time Georgia's dealt with that from the receiver standpoint. Uh, look at what Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint's doing for Georgia right now. This is a good player having a good year. And yet, when you want to go back to the 2020 seeds, when he got you know decimated by injury in that Florida game, all of a sudden, I, I think that kind of impacted the Rosemey Jack Saint timeline, and it has maybe made it more difficult for him to be a great player, which I think he had a chance to do. I mean, I think that Rosemey Jack Saint coming out of high school was a, a phenomenal talent. He's shown flashes of that talent. Uh, thus far, George. But once again, this is a bad luck situation where a guy like this has kind of dealt with injury. And you'd say the same thing about Dominic Blaylock. For him, it's been two injuries. And obviously, you get to back to 2021 of what would it have been like to have George Pickens for a full season, especially when you see what he's doing in the NFL. 
you know, playing for, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers and making all those plays, as the folks say on social media, he is him. That's what he looks like when he's in the NFL. And obviously a full season of him in 2021 would have been a huge deal there as well. So maybe the number one reason that Georgia hasn't fully achieved everything it could achieve the wide receiver position has been, for the most part, out of its control because of injury. But nonetheless, whatever the reasons are, the results just haven't quite been enough. So Georgia needs wide receiver help. A guy like Lovett and a guy like Thomas clearly are able to provide that. And, you know, once again, when it comes to already checking boxes and kind of coming in as a little bit of a sure thing, I mean, I think we have some reason to believe that they provide that in a way, with all due respect, the average high school recruit might not be able to do. In fact, if you want to go back to uh, earlier this week when Smart was talking about the wide receivers that Georgia signed for this particular class, and there are a lot of guys like Tyler Williams and Yazid Haynes, there are a lot of guys that you really like there, but there is one phrase that Smart used in particular about you know, these guys that I don't think you have to say this about guys like Lovett and Thomas right now. This is Kirby talking about the receivers that Georgia added uh, as a part of the 2023 class. And I also think this gives us some context for what Georgia also has now added with the transfer portal as well. Here's Kirby. Excited about those guys. Um, speed, athleticism, um, been here uh, practicing with us. Um, each one's different. Uh, they all probably need, you know, they got to have to hit the weight room and get stronger uh, to be able to, to really do the things we want them to do. But you want to take a guy that, that has natural speed, pass catching ability, make you miss ability, run after the catch, vertical threats, and we think we get that in those three guys. So yeah, listen, you talk about the speed they bring to the table, but you also kind of think about, um, you know, as he said, listen, you may have to get in the weight room, kind of get a little bit bigger. That's one of those things that you don't have to maybe necessarily worry about for a guy like Love or a guy like Thomas because they've been in the SEC. Now, listen, I think there's a different standard of physical condition required to place like Georgia that's succeeding compared to places like Missouri and maybe Mississippi State where they haven't been succeeding at quite the same level. But nonetheless, there's already a level of expectation that has been set because these guys have played. And then just sort of sum up this portion of the conversation. Y'all, this is just really bad news the rest of college football. It just really is. It just really is. Because I really believe that the pathway towards victory is in the margins, right? Uh, it's by creating margin. In other words, when you are so much better than the team that you're playing, you just create a greater likelihood of being able to win. And we know what Georgia's able to do defensively. We know what they've done offensively has been really you know, productive and prolific there as well. And all of a sudden now you're just making it that much better. And what you're really doing is saying, hey, you know, we thought that this is someone outside the bubble of dog nation. We thought that the arrival of the transfer portal and the the the, the you know, greater proliferation of NIL and things like that, we thought that might be a way for a program like Georgia to be taken down a peg. But instead, it's Georgia leveraging some of this stuff, in this case, the transfer portal, for its own benefit. Georgia using the portal to get better, not Georgia having the portal used against it to make it worse. No, this is Georgia using the portal to get better. And y'all know this. Georgia will never be a program that's solely built out of the transfer portal or even mostly built out of the transfer portal. But it's also not going to be one of these programs that says we're never going to use this at all. You know, Georgia's going to be open to these kinds of things when you have a chance to get better, when you have a chance to add a little spice a little seizing to what you already have in your roster, you're going to go out there and do that. That's what love it. And that's what, to me, uh, 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 Ra Thomas are all about here. It's about Georgia getting even better on paper for next season than it would appear to be uh, right now. And for a Georgia team that's on its way to potentially go for two and 22 and win a national championship this year, you know, the idea this team could be a preseason number one in 2023 I think you have to take that as a very real possibility. Now, let me say this really quickly. Uh, we talked also yesterday on video yesterday about the other 2023 
signing news, and that involves Jordan Hall. And I won't spend a whole lot of time on this, but I do want to give a big shout-out for what a big win for Georgia I think this is. Once again, we'll show you the very nice Dog Nation edit that celebrated the uh, Hall news here. And when you think about a guy who's, you know, you're talking about, you know, ranked right there in the, I think the 24-7 composite has him like the number 73 player in the country or something like that, already 6'3", already 310 pounds. You know, this is a defensive lineman that you can pair with a guy like Jamal Jarrett, and you really can start kind of building a proof of concept for the future that reminds you a little bit what the 2021 defense had before, where, you know, Jarrett's kind of in the Jordan Davis role and a guy like Halls and maybe you'd say the Devontae Wyatt role or something along those lines. Yesterday on video, I thought our buddy Connor Riley had a very interesting comparison to kind of how the Hall conclusion to a senior season maybe feels a little bit like, you know, what Jalen Carter's high school career conclusion sort of felt like. And that's obviously a lot to put on a guy like Jordan Hall. But the point is, as I want you to know, this is also a really big win here for George. In other words, if you've been following the Lovett stuff, you've been following the 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 Ra Ra Thomas stuff, the, the you know the Jordan Hall stuff, you've been following all of that. Um, I just think that you're l- reminded of what a special time this is to be a Georgia fan. That the present's very good. Georgia's on way to winning a national championship. At least we hope that's the case. But the future is really bright as well utilizing the transfer portal a little bit, utilizing the recruiting process a lot, and all of a sudden the rosters that you imagine in 2023 and 2024 and beyond. Boy, what a great time it is to be a dog fan. So Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all of you, and welcome into Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented by Kroger. We are glad to have you with us as we go for two in 22, and uh, happy to have uh, all of you and our friends at Kroger with us as we do all of that. And, of course, Kroger, a great name to know for all your holiday shopping there as well. Uh, right now, as you're kind of getting ready, last-minute stuff maybe, those gifts that you're buying or um, decorations or that food that goes on the table, a lot of fun holiday meals with family and friends taking place this time of year. Don't forget, you can get big savings on this at Kroger right now. I'm talking about 30% off. Christmas lights, wrap, decor, so much more. So stop by and see your local Kroger on that. You can also go to Kroger.com slash holiday. That's a website, Kroger.com slash holiday to find out more about that. And, of course, to all of you joining us on video, on Facebook, and YouTube, and Twitter, and Twitch, on radio. We'll be back on, I guess, Tuesday again on the radio. They're taking a little time off for the holiday there. We'll be back on Tuesday on the radio on 960 The Ref. And, of course, podcasts all over the place, Apple, Spotify, everything else. We just really appreciate you being a part of the program here today. Now, speaking of Georgia recruiting, coming up in a couple of moments, we're going to talk to Jeff Sintel about his thoughts on this 2023 class. And I think we'll have to add the Thomas Lovett stuff into that because these are obviously additions taking place during this early signing period. They almost function like recruits for Georgia because you had to recruit them onto your roster. So we'll do some of that with Jeff here coming up in just a moment there as well. But before that, I do want to go around the doghouse. And so many of you enjoying your home this time of year, cozy and warm for the Christmas. Maybe you got a fire in the fireplace and the Christmas lights are all turned on. Well, the folks at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services understand how important home is to you when they deliver around the doghouse to us here today. So we're happy to have uh, them with us. Thank you so much for that. And one of the things that uh, we have not probably done enough as of yet is to hear from Kirby Smart on his thoughts on what Georgia does in the uh, signing class, what it added this week in kind of the traditional, what we think of as National Signing Day. So I want to do some of that right now, some on defense, some on offense. But first, uh, Kirby Smart was kind of asked to kind of give his definition of 
what he thought success on signing day meant. I think this is interesting to hear this from uh, Kirby. So before we kind of get into some of the position-specific analysis from Kirby, how about the overarching thing of how he defines success on a day like National Signing Day? Here is Kirby. A successful signing day is defined four years from now. You know, I, I look backwards on that. I don't – I leave it to you guys to rate them because I don't I, – I can't compare somebody else's to ours because I don't really look at somebody else's. I only compare ours to what they do when they leave not what they do when they arrive, how many of them graduate, how many wins they have, um, what kind of people they become, how they integrate into our culture is probably the best defining success quality. And uh, hopefully they'll do that well. We'll onboard them well. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, there's probably not a lot of difference in all these kids being signed. The difference is what you do with them. Um, but people make it about who you sign not what they become, and uh, I'm a lot more interested in what you know they become. I think that Smart basically says three very interesting things there. At the end, and a lot of coaches wouldn't do this. You know, Kirby kind of puts pressure on the coaching staff to develop the players. It's not one of those things of, hey, you know, my success depends on how good of a player I can get. You know, Kirby says in this particular case, you know, we're going to take these players, and from year to year, the talent kind of looks the same. The job we have as coaches to develop those guys, that's kind of a personal responsibility type statement from Kirby, which I think is kind of interesting. And the other thing is, you know, Smart talks about he's more worried about the people they become and the, how they fit into the culture at George. And I know that kind of feels sort of blowhardy a little bit, but if anybody has a right to say that, I'm not saying Kirby's a blowhard. I'm saying that that in the in the coming from a different coach, that might sound, oh gosh, here we go, you know, kind of, you know, basically saying something that isn't true. But in the case of Kirby, I think that we have a lot of evidence that kind of stuff really does matter to him. We've seen him stand by players and try to provide help for players that maybe weren't capable of helping George on the field. And yet, you know, Kirby and the coaching staff showed a willingness to want to try to help the player, even when that player kind of wasn't in a position to do much for them on the field at that particular moment. This is something that Kirby's kind of proven to be uh, that's important to him. And as far as the whole culture thing goes. Y'all, if you want to go back and try to talk about one of the huge building blocks, one of the huge foundational pillars for how Georgia won a national championship in 2021, it was the closest this team felt with each other. We've had players say that. And to kind of come back and try to do all that in 2022, and for some of the players who've been here now for a couple of years, they've had a couple of years' worth of kind of really being a part of building a really special culture. And we see evidence of that all the time. And so when Kirby says – Hey, you know, fitting into our culture, being connected the way that Smart uses that word a lot. I don't think that's just kind of like lip service when a guy like Kirby Smart says that. I believe that the people who are a part of the Georgia program, on the inside of the Georgia program, I really do believe that they have uh, a strong sense that's been a huge part of their successful. And in fact, when you look at one of the position groups in which Georgia was the most successful on signing day, the inside linebacker spot, this is guys like C.J. Allen and Raylan Wilson and Troy Bowles. When you look at that, you know, in addition to the just the prodigious athleticism and the already well-refined skill sets these guys have, once again, some of that same kind of culture stuff is sort of at play for what Kirby likes about these guys as well. This is what Kirby said about that group going back to a Wednesday, too. Well, a really talented group in terms of speed, athleticism in the day and age that we're in right now where the guys are fast, athletic, got to play in space. Um, got to be able to strike and play with toughness, but also high character. Those three guys bonded, got to be good friends, have connected. Uh, I think Schumann and the defensive staff done a tremendous job uh, kind of selling uh, the brand. Um, look what these three guys all came out and did. Look what uh, these two guys are currently doing. Look what 
the guys we signed uh, last year that are here and, and, and playing roles on special teams, you'll develop here, you'll become better, um, and you'll have fun doing it. And uh, th that, that group is, is tight. I think it kind of recruits itself when you talk about the Kobe, Quay, and Channing, what they've done. These guys, you know, they want to emulate guys like that. And um, they're, they're really high-character kids and uh, really impressed with uh, everything about those three guys. I mean, maybe I'm making too much of this. There's a possibility that I am. But when I think back to last year's NFL scouting combine, and you had guys like, what, Trayvon Walker and Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt, who were all kind of standing around waiting to watch the other guys do their drill work, and they're kind of cheering for each other when they're running their times and, they're, and they're, you know, they're, they're, their sprint drills and things like that. They were there to support each other. And you were left to conclude, well, gosh, you know, these guys really enjoyed playing with each other along the way to a national championship. That mattered to this Georgia team in 2021. I think we would all say there's evidence that was the case. And so when Kirby Smart says, hey, these guys, you know, Wilson and Bowles and Allen, they're already all friends with each other. Well, that obviously kind of feels like what made Georgia special in 2021. These guys kind of already have that connection. And here's the thing I'm going to tell you. Um, it's not necessarily normal in life for guys who are kind of of a similar station to feel bonded and connected with each other. In fact, I think it's more normal in more walks of life for there to be some jealousy. If you're Raylan Wilson, you might have a tendency to want to think, you know, I'm the big linebacker. And yet here's C.J. Allen thinking he's the big linebacker. And here's Troy Bowles thinking he's the big linebacker, that this is the prototype of the future at the linebacker spot. But instead, we don't get the sense that Georgia there is any kind of tolerance to that kind of, you know, potential jealousy or comparison or, you know, or anything like that, that they, that they enjoy playing with each other and they root for each other's success as much as they root for their own success. We've seen examples of that taking place at Georgia on the field. And it sounds like, According to Kirby, these next you know group of inside linebackers may have the same kind of thing going on, which is really, really fun. And then what's cool about this 2023 class for Georgia there, too, is, is I'd actually kind of thought for a while that maybe the inside linebacker group, that trio that we just mentioned, maybe this is the headline. Maybe this is as good as it gets, that Georgia signed what is essentially a laughable level of talent, you know, ridiculous, the, the degree of talent that Bowles and Wilson and Allen already have that – that's that's going to be kind of the thing that you remember this 2023 class for. And then lo and behold, before it's all said and done, you got a Damon Wilson, an outside linebacker, to go along with the Sam Mpemba and a, a, a Gabe Harris. And all of a sudden, your edge rusher group looks really just as good on paper as your inside linebacker group looks. And Kirby Smart talked about the outside linebackers as well. Now, to be fair, Smart was talking about this before Damon Wilson officially became official, but the odds are Kirby was thinking about him already as he was saying what he said about what Georgia also adds at the inside linebacker spot as well. Here's Kirby again. Yeah, excited about the group we got there. I think we've got good depth. We're trying to get that room back to um, where it's been in the past. You know, there was a time when there were three or four really high draft picks in that room. Um, and, you know, that, that's what you want in that skill set. That helps you on third down. Those body types help you on special teams. The six foot two plus, the 240 plus is a position that can cover kicks, can cover uh, return punts in terms of holding people up. Uh, so much value in that room. Uh, packages you can do on defense. So when we've been at our best, um, we've had a lot of speed and athleticism in that room, and we're trying to get back to it. And, um, we hope these guys can do that and, and provide some um, defensive end help as well when it comes to playing 4-3 and having two guys out there. Once again, some parts of that can sort of sound like a very Kirby-ish thing to say, pivoting to talk about special teams and talk about sort of five-star outside linebackers. I, I do get that. But let me ask you this. 
were you glad to have a long-bodied outside linebacker on special teams in the Rose Bowl in 2017 when Lorenzo Carter was blocking the field goal in overtime uh, against – or late in the game. I can't remember if it was overtime or not. Uh, against Oklahoma, I would say that you probably were. Uh, that's one of those things that was a very, very big deal for Georgia in winning one of the most thrilling games in program history. So, yeah, you better believe long-bodied outside linebackers have worked out pretty well for you when it comes to stuff like that. Then quickly here, a couple of things on the offensive side of the ball. Kirby was also asked specifically about Roderick Robinson, the uh, running back signing there as well, who had a tremendous conclusion to his high school career in California. He was named Max Preps Player of the, of the Year in that state, very big, populous state. So this is a pretty cool award to bring home. And Kirby also talked about what he likes from Roderick Robinson, who stands as the running back signing in this class. Here's Kirby again. Size, speed, toughness, uh, really soft hands. He's your... Uh, SEC type back that can get hard yards but is athletic enough to, to do some things in space. Um, really, to be honest, I, li- I like the guy's character. I like the, uh, the background. He has his family from South Carolina. He has family from Georgia. He has family from Birmingham. Um, he's attached to the state. Uh, he has really good quality toughness. He's hard to tackle. Um, you know, football is still a game where you have to get people on the ground. And uh, he's hard. He's hard to get on the ground. And and he loves the game, and he's very intelligent. So uh, he excited us on tape, but he even won us over more in person. If you were listening to the show yesterday, I said one of the things I like the most about Damon Wilson is the fact that Wilson put up numbers, that this is not a project player. This is a guy that's actually productive at kind of a high-level high school program, and those numbers kind of mean something to me when you think about translating to the college game, and I would say the same thing's kind of true for Roderick Robinson is this is a guy that was very productive at the end of his high school career, which I think does give you a little bit greater certainty about his ability to contribute in college there, too. I think that, that, that Smart's right when he says that. One more on the subject of the offensive line. And the two big ads to the, the offensive line for Georgia, Bo Hughley, who Georgia holds on to, and Monroe Freeling, who Georgia won a pretty high-profile recruiting battle a couple of months ago to bring in. And yet we are also kind of, I would say, about to be in a little bit of a period of transition for the Georgia offensive line where some of the big elite recruits that Georgia's brought in in recent years are about to maybe start cycling out of the program and some other guys are going to get their chance to step up. And Georgia's obviously in a period of transition coming to the end of the first year of Stacey Serrell's on the job here. And Kirby was kind of asked to provide an evaluation of kind of where things stand with offensive line recruiting, given the fact they've had a lot of success there in the past. They've had kind of a big brand when it comes to the offensive line. And yet, the future of this group is at least a little bit uncertain right now. This is what Kirby said about his offensive line recruiting and the job that Stacey Serrells has done on that, once again, going back to Wednesday. I think when you look at us over the past three to four years, I think we've had the second or third most alignment drafted, uh, especially top-round picks. Like we've been able to, to have with, with tackles going early and, and, and you know, Ben Cleveland and a lot of the guys. So the program sells itself in terms of development. You get to go against some of the best defensive linemen, three first-round defensive linemen. You get to go against those guys. So um, we recruit as a uh, staff, <clears throat> not as a position. And I think Stacy's done a tremendous job this year. I think we've got some really talented, flexible guys that can go inside and out. Um, that's always what you're looking for is to get length to tackle, but guys that can go in and, and play guard. Uh, and I think we were able to do that in this class and really excited about the O-line class we got coming in. So interesting evaluations there from Kirby Smart. You can go to the Dog Nation YouTube page and hear the entirety of everything that Smart said on National Signing Day. And, of course, we'll hear a lot from Georgia coach Kirby Smart and other assistants and the players themselves as you head towards next week 
we go for two and 22 and get ready for the Peach Bowl against Ohio State. But for now, that is around the doghouse presented by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. And as I said before, you know, it's Christmas time. You're enjoying your new home or maybe you're enjoying your old home or your home, however long it's been yours. And Berkshire Hathaway Home Services is all about that. But they also understand this, that maybe the house you're living in, maybe it doesn't quite feel like home as much as you want it to. Maybe you're thinking about the job that you'd like to take or maybe you have taken. It's a little bit farther away than you uh, currently are living or you want to get back closer to family or someone that you love. And that's a really great reason to make a move. And the folks at Berkshire Hathaway Home Service understand that the best time for new beginnings is right now. That means when you think about in the new year where you'd like to be, where you'd like to live, and the real estate decisions that are necessary to make that dream possible, well, that's where Berkshire Hathaway Home Services can step in and provide you the help you need to get there. They understand how to be on both ends of this transaction, what it means to sell a house, what it means to buy a new home, and what it means to have a comfortable, enjoyable process every step of the way. That's what the agents who work for BHHS have been doing for a long time. They can do that for you there too. Plus, maybe your dream is about something different. Maybe it's a commercial-related dream where you've got a business and it's been kind of thriving, kind of a home-based situation. But now it's time to get that commercial real estate, that storefront that can actually open you up for a lot more uh, business opportunities. Well, that's where uh, Berkshire Hathaway Home Service can be a help as well. Or it's time to be an investor. Great way to invest. Especially with uncertain times and other places, uh, real estate always, I would say, a great investment opportunity. So our friends at Berkshire Hathaway Home Service can help you with that there, too. So find them online, bhhsgeorgia.com. That's bhhsgeorgia.com. Great to have Berkshire Hathaway Home Services presenting around the doghouse to us here today. So this is our Christmas Spectacular uh, Dog Nation Daily episode here today. And it can't be a spectacular if we don't have a spectacular guest. So with that in mind, in the aftermath of... Everything that goes down with signing day, recruiting portal, and everything else in between. What do you say we have a fun conversation right now on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel? Let's talk to him right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So, Jeff, there's obviously lots of headline tough stuff to talk about, and in some form or fashion, we've kind of talked about some of that here. Uh, as of late. So let me kind of do something before we get there. And admittedly, this is very much in the weeds here, but this is one of those days we kind of have time to do this. Uh, Kirby just said when you evaluate offensive line recruitment that it's not one of those things where you evaluate Stacey Searles in particular. He says we recruit as a staff, not as a position. And I'm not talking necessarily about here, just a referendum on Stacey Searles. I'm more curious about the program overall. How true do you think that is? In other words, how important is the area recruiter, someone who's kind of responsible for a geographic location, for instance, like Del McGee with Mikhail Williams? That's a running backs coach who uh, was recruiting a player from kind of you know McGee stomping grounds down there in Columbus. When you evaluate the recruiting process and the recruiting machine for a place like Georgia for, you know, or other, other programs, um, how, how much is it about area recruiters and support staff, quality control analysts? And, you know, kind of where does that stop and where does it start for the position coach in terms of winning some of these key recruiting battles that we talk about on a weekly basis around here? Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Happy holidays. Brandon, that, since we're on a, a, we're on a Dog Nation spectacular program, we're going to try and come up with a spectacular answer there. And for me, this feels like it takes a village. I know that's a, um, that's a popular term, but... <clears throat> Let's just take it one by one. So many recruits I talk to, they tell me about the entire support staff at Georgia. That's the the recruiting department. That's, you know, the popular Coach Coop on 
social media, it's the ladies in the office, Logan Reed, Angela Kirkpatrick, uh, Christian Harris. Um, there's a lot, Chandler LaCroix. There's a lot of base-level folks around Georgia that just do their jobs a lot better than everybody else. And then you've got an asset like Dell McGee, for instance, you mentioned an offensive line. I'm nodding my head and thinking, you know, Dell's in Columbus. Dell's like the closer in Columbus. Everyone knows him because of his ties to that area, knows every high school coach, knows most of the players in Columbus when they're like in the seventh and eighth grade coming up. So when you have that and then you add in a Stacey Searles, I think Georgia is just really maximizing all of its resources. I think what's intriguing about uh, Georgia's returned first returned first year uh, offensive line coach or their OL coach in his second stint at Georgia, they've got benefits from, you know, Searles knew those gentlemen that he signed, two in particular, Bo Kugley and Monroe Freeling, the two highest rated offensive linemen in this class. He got to know them from when he was at North Carolina, and they liked Stacy a lot. They liked the relationship a lot. Oh yeah, and then all of a sudden, uh, he got the job at Georgia, and that kind of that kind of supersized Stacy Searles' chances at getting a prospect like Monroe Freeling and a prospect like Bo Hughley. Like before, they didn't know if they could get him. He didn't know if they could get him at North Carolina. But the answer when he was at Georgia was most assuredly so that they could pull in players like that. I think recruiting is so much a relationship business. Brandon, I've heard stories where schools have lost coaches um, for a missed visit or, I mean, schools have lost recruits for missed visit or saying the wrong thing or not being convenient to these prospects when they're visiting. And that plays a large part because they've got so many things they evaluate a staff on and a team on in terms of a feel, a vibe, connections, and things like that. So, what Georgia does is they have a lot of aces up their sleeve, and I think they use them all very well. If I give you one person who is likely to be a legitimate superstar out of this 2023 class, who's the name you'd most likely give me? Legitimate superstar by Georgia standards or college football standards? Well, I mean, because um, I look at that differently. Well, I mean, a legitimate superstar is a legitimate. I mean, Trayvon Walker is the number one overall pick. You know, uh, uh, Jordan Davis was the Nagurski Award winner. I mean, like a legitimate superstar is measured by, you know, NFL draft status, national award status. This isn't like like there's only a small number of like legitimate superstars. So um, if if you're talking about you know somebody from this group who could be there on either side of the ball, by the way, uh, a legitimate superstar, who do you think it would be? Yeah. See, for so that, that that's why this class is so robust Brandon that's what makes that question a little bit harder for me because I see several future first round types I see several future all SEC all American types in this class but if you had to peg me on a guy that I think is the guy that has the most uh ability to be the one or two shining stars out of this class um I'm going to be I'm going to go a little off the beaten path I think there's something really special about CJ Allen Hmm. I think he's a true three-down linebacker. I think he's a guy that um, – well, here's a great example. So not only did he do, do a lot of those Roquan Smith-type things in terms of yeah, – I think he carried the ball for over 1,500 yards and 25 touchdowns. Um, he's a three-sport athlete. He ran track. He played baseball. He ran an 11-1 uh, in the 100-meter dash, and he's carrying about 220 pounds very easily. But all those are great things. Those are a lot of things that a lot of Georgia fans can say, okay, that that makes a lot of sense. But the thing for me is I truly believe that if you ask C.J. Allen when he was eight or nine years old, what was his dream and what was his family's dream, 
they would have said playing for Georgia. And in all these in this era where Georgia gets the first, the best player in this state, the best player in that state, uh, the five star here, I think there's something still special about a Georgia boy who, when things get tough, and they will undoubtedly get tough, I think they've probably already been tough for C.J. Allen in town this week for bowl practices. I think, I think that matters for him to go look in his locker and go look at that power G and remember to himself, he's like, man, when I was nine, I wanted this. When I was 12, I wanted this, and I wanted to do it right here. I think that's that extra special something that uh, turns a lot of All-Americans, is what Georgia has in this class, into really special players. And I think Jamal Jarrett is probably one of the most important players in this class. He may not be the most talented, but he's going to allow a C.J. Allen. He's going to allow a Raylan Wilson. He's going to allow a Troy Bowles to be Buckus Award nominees because he is going to soak up blocks as well as anybody has at Georgia. Now, he won't be as fast or have the lateral movement as Jordan Davis because he's not a superhuman. No one is like Jordan Davis. But I think that guy is really going to help empower the players around him to be very very good and i also think the guy that they got yesterday next to him uh jordan big baby hall funny story jordan would always tell me he's hanging out in athens he's feeling really cool he likes the vibe and when he goes walking downtown he usually he's usually around jamal jarrett he's like man he's like i'm six four i'm about 310 pounds i think i'm a big guy but then yeah. i'm walking with jamal who's like six five six six three forty I think at some points this year, Jamal was probably 360. Uh, he said he felt like that was his bodyguard. And I think I think a lot of I've seen a lot of the memes on social media where you have um, you, you've already seen like the parallels between Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt, between Jamal Jarrett and also Jamal Jarrett and also um, Big Baby Hall. There's so many names, Brandon. I think the guy you're going to like the most because he's going to check that box off your wish list for so many years is I think Tyler Williams is going to be what everyone has dancing in their head. The sugar plums about a first-round receiver who catches 50 balls for you know 1,200 yards. I think he's that kind of player. I think he's the first player Georgia has brought in since George Pickens that you can say, you know what, that's what a first-round pick plays like, and that's what a first-round pick looks like. And I think I think Georgia quarterbacks to come are going to be very happy seeing Tyler Williams running downfield out wide. Yeah, it's really interesting. I want to say one more thing about Jamal Jarrett too. I think that I mean it's so easy to make the Jordan Davis comparison, and obviously to be as good a player as Jordan Davis proved to be for Georgia is really really hard. But the one thing and we talked about, you and I were have been doing this show for a long time. We were talking about Jordan Davis as a recruit, and the one thing that we were saying, I know you were kind of pushing this out there, is is that there's an inability sometimes by certain, you know, even smart recruiting analysts, there's an inability sometimes to measure the true nose guard defensive tackle type because you don't have the stats to look at. You know, it's sort of hard to quantify what they're doing, and in terms of really judging the value of a prospect when it comes to that interior defensive lineman like Jordan Davis once was, whether Jamal Jarrett is right now, that there is always going to be a tendency to underrate those guys during the recruiting process because an edge rusher, you can look at the sacks, you know, uh, other positions, you can kind of see, you know, the, the, the stats. There's not necessarily that statistical, I guess, uh, uh, validation of an interior defensive lineman like what Davis was, like what Jared is now. And so I do think if you're saying, hey, who's the most underrated signing that Georgia has, on that reason alone, it might be Jared because the 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 true nose man defensive tackle has historically sometimes been underrated by certain folks within the recruiting world 
It always is, Brandon. Do we, do we remember, I believe it's the 2018 season when Georgia really took off. That was when they inserted Jordan Davis into the lineup. Their run defense got a lot stouter. They started playing their best football in 2018 as a defensive unit because the guy's going to soak up blocks. He's going to change the way the protections work. He's going to change the blocking schemes um, from an opponent. And it's just mass, man. There's not a lot of, lot, lot of human beings quite like the Jordan Davises of the world and the Jamal Jarrett's of the world. And after a while, just the physics, man, of dealing with that man, dealing with that load for 40, 50 snaps or 30, 40 snaps for a big guy like that, it just wears on an offense. It fatigues an offense. And I think, I mean, there's so many guys like this that, you know, everybody's going to talk about the five stars. I mean, Brandon, I can talk for a minute about Damon Wilson. I can talk for a minute about Raylan Wilson. I can talk for a, a minute about Samuel and Pemba. And it would all be glowing bouquet stuff where there's a lot of promise for these guys. Like, I do feel that there's a lot of these guys that are going to hit. Their ceilings are going to be very high. Their floors are going to be very high as well. So there's a lot of guys like this. But the one guy that I know went under everybody's radar because he was a decommitment and a recommitment, I really like the addition of Daniel Harris. Now, Daniel yeah. Harris is a guy that, man, I mean, he's 6'2", 6'3". He has that ideal length, Brandon, but he also has a 10.74 in the, in the 100 meters. Now, he's got he's to get him some, some biscuits and gravy. He's got to eat some PB&Js to get maybe 10, 15 more pounds on him to be a legitimate SEC corner. But I think when he does, he's going to have everything you want to see in a Georgia corner. A little bit more fluidity, a little bit more, just looks more like a natural cornerback than even some guys of that size in the past, like Keely Ringo. Uh, I really think Harris, giving him a, about a year worth of seasoning, I think he's going to be a starter for two years at cornerback in Georgia, at Georgia, and at Georgia, that's saying quite a lot. Let me say one more thing about Jared. I don't mean to make the whole show about this, but and I don't do this very much, but I looked him up on ESPN. So ESPN has Jamal Jarrett rated as the 16th best player in North Carolina. Uh, the 219th best player in the region, 24-7 sports, has him as the number three player in the state of North Carolina and the number 94 player in the country overall. So that's just a little bit of an example there. You know, we would say, you know, 24-7 does this for a living. ESPN kind of doesn't. And, you know, that's kind of an example of just kind of the way and some of this kind of stuff is just sort of misunderstood. There's no way there are 15 players in the state of North Carolina that George would rather have more so than Jamal Jarrett. There's just not. Yeah. And I think the thing with Jamal, most people, it's kind of like Jordan Davis, man. About a year, I, I can remember these stories when I found uh, Jamal Jarrett and I saw what he could be. Well, Jamal Jarrett, Brandon, in February, I think that's when we came back. Um, in February, it was really cold. It was at Denmark High School in Alpharetta, not too far from the Dog Nation Daily World Headquarters or the Suburban Headquarters. And and he 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 literally told me, he's like, man, I have to go to these camps to prove to people that I'm actually a defensive tackle because some people think I'm an offensive tackle. We heard that with Jordan Davis as well, but he was literally rated at both positions for a while. And he had to like put down the film and put together the camp reps to prove to people that he would be rated or classified as a D tackle, Brandon. And that's how, you know, some guys kind of get lost in the web, man. And and when you, it's kind of hard to do when you see a massive human being, like like Jamal Jarrett, you know he loved Georgia. He, you know those linebackers. They told me when they saw Jamal Jarrett, and they knew that that guy's going to be in the class. And they're like, oh my gosh, you know it wasn't so much if I'm going to get to play, I'm going to have to play with two other guys just like me who are just as great. 
I think the more the more impressionable vi- vision of Georgia was like that guy's going to be taking on blockers and going to let me come downhill. That's the way Georgia's built, and I mean I think they get players everywhere. I'm going to shout this from the rooftops, man. 22 and 2023 recruiting classes. The combination of those two guys defensively will make Georgia as stout as ever. You look at a guy like I, I think I've tried to mention eight names in, in our conversation so far this morning. You better not forget about AJ Harris at cornerback as well, because that guy. If you want to, if you want to pull like a hot take out of me about this class and what could happen really crazy with this class, I think AJ Harris could probably start as quickly as any of those defensive backs. Number one, because he's built that way. He has great technique. He works at his game for years and years and years. JC Horn called the shot, Brandon. Before his junior season, former first-round pick J.C. Horn said, A.J. Harris, who worked out with him, said he's good enough to play in the SEC right now. Fran Brown loves him. He's physical. He's got a body ready for the SEC. I think A.J. Harris is going to be in the two-deep at Georgia corner quicker than most people might have ever imagined. Uh, so there you go. Uh, it is uh, on the road. It's by AAA with Jeff Sintel. I want to ask you about transfer wide receivers here coming up in a moment. Before that, though, let me remind folks uh, that all of this made possible by our friends at AAA. You know, we're on the road a lot this holiday season. And of course, for you, hopefully you're like me. You take that AAA membership card with you everywhere that you go. But I don't want you to just think about AAA when it comes to uh, roadside assistance, although they're great for that, they're really legendary at that. I want you to think about them as a great resource for your insurance needs as well, including your auto insurance there too, because AAA's actually been doing auto insurance for a long time, and they've been in the game for a while, and they've been taking really good care of folks. In fact, they have a 93% satisfaction rate. So if that many people are stepping up to say, yeah, we love our experience with AAA, then trust me when I tell you, you will love it too. So give them a call, 833-718-2075. 833-718-2075 to find a branch near you and make a decision to switch and save with AAA for your auto insurance today. All right, Jeff, so we'll kind of finish up with this. Dominic, love it. Rah, rah, Thomas. I think these are huge ads for Georgia. Um, admittedly, I would like to have had Travis Hunter, and yet for as dazzled as I am by Travis Hunter's athleticism and kind of what he did in Georgia high school football, the truth is, is there is still a question about a guy like Travis of, well, how would that translate to the SEC? And while the overall ceilings for Lovett and and Thomas may not be quite as high, the truth is they do more easily answer the question of, well, what do these guys look like while playing against SEC competition? Because they've done it before. And, and frankly, with all due respect to anybody that Georgia has a chance to add out of high school, there's also an element of me that's going to be a little bit more excited as a Georgia fan, once again, for these proven college commodities, which what these guys have turned out to be. A leading receiver from Mississippi State, a leading receiver to Missouri, to add that to what Georgia already has with the likes of a Brock Bowers and, and you know an A.D. Mitchell and things like that. To me, this is a huge boost for the 2023 Georgia offense. What were your thoughts on Georgia kind of utilizing the transfer portal here to upgrade the wide receiver situation? Yeah. It, uh, everybody's like, we real, you know, Kirby mentioned this. Everybody kind of played that card that Georgia was the one um, school that didn't dip into the transfer portal over the last year. Well, that was because, you know, we got to take Kirby Smart when it comes to recruiting at face value. He didn't see things that Georgia needed. He didn't see he didn't see players that Georgia needed that would go, that were going to boost the program and help the program. So when he's bringing in Lovett, that's one of those guys that's going to look a lot like an Isaiah McKenzie, a Lad McConkey. Uh, McCole Hardman, a really shifty playmaker that you're just going to get the ball out in space and watch him do what he does. you got Ra Ra Thomas, I think, is more of a prototype first-round receiver. Um, you know, he's a COVID casualty, Brandon. I think 
know, one of the things I think we shared on your program or we shared something about Ra Ra a while back was that, you know, he was originally not really seen really well coming out of COVID. And, you know, the people really close to Ra Ra tell me that if he would have had camps, if he would have gotten a chance to go on those camps, probably he winds up at an Alabama or an Auburn or a really big school in the SEC. Um, he was going to go to South Carolina. South Carolina thought they had a steal when Will Muschamp lost his job there. Mike Bobo was the offensive coordinator, and that opened up the door for, um, you know, Mississippi State to come in and get Ra Ra Thomas. But, you know, Ra Ra's a guy that how many people can you say have 12 touchdowns in the SEC already and has has 4-4 speed, great hands. One of, the, one of the things that he didn't like about Mississippi State, besides the rotations, was he didn't really like that he was just seen as a, a fade ball or a deep ball guy or a, you know, back shoulder type guy. He wanted to show people he could run the whole route tree, and he's going to get the chance to do that now at Georgia. I think those are plug and play players. And Brandon, I tell people, watch this all the time. We told this on we shared this on Hedges on Wednesday night. If you see Georgia getting guys in portal, and if you see guys Georgia now in this day and age going out of a lot of players, going for a lot of players at a certain position, that should be an indicator. That should be some eye candy that tells you, you know what. Something, something's happening with the, the current room, the current chairs in the room at that position, which says, you know what, Georgia's going to have some traction there. Georgia's going to have some turnover there. And that's why they're going getting more, more players that can do this type of role and can play that type of position out of the portal or inside a certain recruiting class. Jeff, very quickly, short question, short answer. Is Smoke Bowie still in play for UGA? Is that the next domino that could fall for the dogs here in the portal? Yeah, I think he's still in play. I think uh, – He's certainly a guy that's sitting there shout, you know, making it clear that you know he loves Georgia on some of his social media over the last couple of days. Um, Georgia has a position there. They need safeties. They need more defensive backs. Um, they're very familiar with Smoke Bowie, and I think, yeah, he's certainly still a potential commodity for Georgia in this class as well. Great stuff, Jeff. Merry Christmas to you. Thanks so much for being a part of this here today. We'll look forward to catching up with you. And, of course, next couple of weeks, a lot of All-Star games coming up, a lot of chances to hear from some of these big-time signees. So we're very excited about that opportunity in the uh, weeks to come. And, of course, we'll enjoy the chance to chat with you about that right here on Dog Nation Daily as well. Hey, Brandon. Merry, Merry Christmas to everybody out there, your family. Uh, the Dog Nation family, everybody out there, it's a blessing to do what we do, and it is truly a blessing to be able to celebrate another Christmas season. Uh, I hope everyone has a very special one over the weekend. Good stuff, Jeff. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, great stuff there from Jeff Sintel. Always fun to be on the road, assisted by AAA with him here on our program and we want to give you an update on some of the other things happening around the sec there as well if you don't mind can we bring that music down uh, just a little bit the sec through music has a tendency to be a little bit loud uh so we'll bring that down to remind you we're cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean i gotta tell you i do not like cold weather i can't stand it and when i'm walking around today it's like 15 degrees and the area out in front of our building for whatever reason is just super cold there's like a wind tunnel there and all kinds of crazy stuff and as I'm walking in, I'm like, boy, it'd be nice to be on Perfect Day Coco K right now. It'd be nice to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship like the one we're all going to be together on Independence of the Seas coming up this April or Icon of the Seas, which will be debuting January of 2024. I watch this video each and every day when we kind of show it, and I'm always just kind of amazed at the way in which Royal Caribbean's always kind of pushing the envelope of making the family experience on board a cruise vacation bigger and better, more enjoyable than ever. They're just so creative how they use the space in the ship, and they're so creative, frankly, and aggressive in terms of finding even more space to put on a cruise ship. You're always amazed by how much they up the ante each and every time, and yet they always do. 
and it is so much fun to see. So I can't wait for you all to see Icon of the Seas coming up in January of 2024. And I'm reminded that just really on the other side of go for two and 22 in the national championship, we hope that George is celebrating me, my family, we're going to be on board uh, Wonder of the Seas, which is the largest cruise ship in the world right now. And what a great experience that's going to be for us coming up in February. So you can be just as excited as I am about your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, about the one we're all taking on the Dog Nation cruise in April. Our friend Jessica Slater can help you out with that. Give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. She's also put together a great website, royaldogs.com. That is royaldogs.com to give you all the deets you need for the Dog Nation cruise. And y'all, it is showtime go time on this. It's about to be 2023. That means at that point in time, we're really only a couple of months away from this. So it is time to do it. It's time to get it done. Let's have a great time on board the Dog Nation cruise together with wonder, I should say, with Independence of the Seas this upcoming April, leaving out of Port Canaveral, NASA, perfect day, Coco Cay. We'll see you there for that. All right, a couple of recruiting pieces of information to give you. First of all, Alabama did win a battle yesterday for uh, Desmond Ricks. It was one of those last holdouts for them, not holdouts, but uh, holdovers, I guess. In the recruiting conversation, they take down LSU for Rick services and Alabama kind of putting, you know, another layer on that number one recruiting class for them. And listen, you got to give them credit. Uh, they have gone out. They've recruited very well, including in the state of Georgia, a couple of big names that dog fans would like to have had. So uh, there you go. You give them credit for that. It is interesting to me, though. I have to say this. It is interesting to me to watch Alabama fans become. And I said this yesterday. I'm going to say it again become the kind of thing that they would have once made fun of you know it used to be they would laugh at people who are more interested in recruiting rankings than they were on-field results all of a sudden now it's alabama fans trying to downplay the on-field results and they are trying to oh look at us we're the team of the future because we've recruited very well but your blue chip ratio is already like 90 percent you know this is a team almost solely made up of former four and five star recruits uh, the recruiting stuff alone is not going to seemingly fix what Alabama needs fixed. And I do believe there are some things that need to be fixed for the Crimson Tide. I'll say this right now, going into next season, I think they may be the most fascinating team of the offseason. And it's not because I'm sure they're going to implode. Frankly, I'm not sure of anything. They may you know, find a quarterback. They may, it may be Ty Simpson's like the next great thing. They've obviously had a great string of quarterbacks. Maybe Ty Simpson's the next one. I don't know. But as of right now, it's a total mystery who starts a quarterback. There are some cultural things that seem to have kind of eroded a little bit for Alabama. So this is a fascinating offseason for the Crimson Tide, but clearly they've sent a pretty strong message here with their recruiting class. I'm just not quite so sure this means what they think it means, but nonetheless, you're forced to give them credit. Uh, Jaden Daniels says he's coming back for LSU. I think this is interesting. I guess I still probably don't quite think that Daniels is the difference maker quarterback that some seem to think that he is, but clearly he did have a good year and good games down the stretch, and obviously LSU's chances of competing with Georgia would have been made better had Daniels been more fully healthy uh, for the SEC championship, so you can't uh, deny that. But, you know, this is also one of those things for uh, Brian Kelly where, where 2023 feels really different than 2022. You know, everybody gets a first year to sort of be whatever you want for it to be, and in the case of Kelly, he probably exceeded expectations in year one. The problem is it's fairly easy to exceed year one expectations because even at you know football crazy programs like LSU first year expectations are still relatively meager but year two expectations are not really meager because we've seen you know Kirby Smart year two makes the college football playoff Mark Rick year two won the SEC Nick Saban year two won the SEC West and was you know essentially a uh, you know a top five top ten type team in Alabama going back 2008 by year three they were winning the national championship that that when success occurs it typically occurs pretty quickly and if it doesn't come quickly oftentimes it doesn't come at all 
And so I would say for Brian Kelly, you know, if you want to hitch your wagon to, to Jaden Daniels next year and you have every reason to think you probably should, then that's fine. But what's expected from Kelly next year is far different than what was tolerable for Kelly this year. Uh, in other words, it's cool to win the West and you know get a chance to play Georgia. And, hey, you can say you kind of had a good season. We gave it our best shot. But that kind of touchy-feely stuff doesn't really translate for year two. And by the way, this is true for like uh, Billy Napier and you know others there as well. And In fact, there's a degree of which this is also kind of true for uh, Josh Heupel as well. He's going into year three next year. But – the the what turned out to be what a 10 and 2 regular season a chance to be 11 and 2 with the bowl game a chance to be in the top 10 a chance to have at least briefly been a part of the playoff conversation that's not going to buy hypel as much goodwill as maybe he thinks it's probably should that that they are also going to be expected to take the step forward next year too so so keep this in mind you've got a lot of coaches in the SEC next season who are going to be asked to take steps forward you know, Brian Kelly, hey, can you build off of winning the SEC West in your first year? Uh, Jimbo Fisher, can you stop being embarrassing and being essentially the worst team in the SEC? Uh, Billy Napier, can you break the the slide here that Florida's been on with back-to-back losing seasons? Josh Heupel, were you just a one-hit wonder, kind of a good, fun team to watch, or can you actually be a legitimate contender? Uh, you know, for Mark Stoops, who's kind of been hanging around here as a part of the story, at least in the fringe in the SEC. Now you got Devin Leary and you've got Liam Cohen, we believe, coming back as offensive coordinator. It's really funny how many coaches in the SEC are either going to be expected to or outright asked to step up their level of performance next season, take the next step towards major contention, and not all of them will. It is going to be a tumultuous 2023 in the SEC. We may see some of these plates shifting during the offseason there as well. I'll also briefly mention Tony Grimes. Uh, you may remember Grimes as a one-time recruiting target of Georgia, went to North Carolina, and frankly probably did not do much for the Tar Heels, and now he's on his way to Texas A&M. Now, I am not an expert on what on, of what I speak, but I can't help but wonder how much Grimes' career has been impacted by his decision to reclassify. When North Carolina won that recruiting battle, they won against Georgia by convincing Grimes, or maybe Grimes just liked the idea of, you know, moving up a year, going in and or taking, you know, your your home in college and kind of skipping that final year of high school. This has been a big part of the basketball story for a long time. It's been a little bit more of a part of the football story, seemingly as of late. But y'all, football is a grown man's game. What was it that uh, Kirby Smart said uh, uh, about Roderick Roberts? And this is still a sport about getting people to the ground, and that takes some physicality. And obviously, you know, the older you get the the easier it is you know the more you become a truly full-grown man the easier it is to kind of you know leverage that physicality to your benefit and so when you start playing college football sooner than you're required to I do think you're taking a pretty big risk and I honestly don't know if that's impacted Grimes or not I really don't but I can't help but wonder when you know a reclassified player is kind of bouncing around like this we haven't really heard a ton from him yet in college you kind of wonder if that might have been a little bit of a factor on that i'll also mention one more thing too here uh, i'm going to give you a brief preview of the bowls for the upcoming weekend now my bowl picks have been okay so far i gave out toledo the other day probably shouldn't have done that uh but you know nonetheless i've been okay with my bowl picks uh, we have three games taking place over Christmas weekend. There's a lot of NFL stuff this weekend, obviously, including, what, three games on Saturday from the NFL team? Is uh, is Philly-Dallas on Saturday? That's a big game, right? Yeah, nobody knows more about the NFL than I do, so I'm really getting settled in. Too. This, is, this is my time of year when I sort of come out of my hibernation. I get, like, really big into the NFL for, like, a few weeks, so this is <laughs> – 
I almost even know when the big game is even taking place this weekend. So uh, I'm getting ready to go for the NFL here for the weekend. But the point is, I am excited about Louisiana-Houston in the uh, Independence Bowl. And I got to tell you, uh, Houston here is a seven-point favorite. But Dana Holgerson had a great history of success in bowl games. Um, I feel like Louisiana might be the play here. Raging Cajuns in their home state. I feel like the I feel like Louisiana might be the play against Houston. And I really like Wake Forest. It's the Gasparilla Bowl, which is in uh, Tampa. Uh, I really like Wake Forest against uh, Missouri. In fact, I'm not even sure Missouri has enough players to play. Uh, yet the number here seems relatively small, just two and a half. Maybe that's trying to tell me something that I'm overvaluing Wake in this spot. I sort of feel like I'm not. I kind of like Wake minus the two and a half. I like uh, Louisiana plus the seven in the Independence Bowl. I don't have an opinion at all in the Middle Tennessee State-San Diego State uh, game on the 24th. Traditionally, you've had that kind of Hawaiian Bowl game. This is also the Easy Post-Hawaii Bowl. Um, I don't have an opinion on San Diego State-Middle Tennessee State. I would say be careful of anything that takes place so far from home, and Hawaii's a long time from home. So I won't give you a pick between the Aztecs and the Blue Raiders, but I will say this. I saw a uh, crystal ball the other day for DJ Uyunglele to Hawaii. So uh, I guess that'll be my uh, my one thought on the Hawaiian-centric college football. It will make that cruise run the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, by the way, I give you my picks on bowl games. Maybe I get them right. Maybe I don't. Uh, many of you far better at making picks than I am. And so you get a chance to put your money where your mouth is on that with our friends at MyBookie right now. What a great way to enjoy Christmas, whether it be NFL stuff uh, over the course of this weekend. I don't know much about the NFL, but that might not stop me from betting on it. So jumping there and getting involved on that or the bowl stuff, which I really do love. I love trying to find an angle on these very weird bowl games with a million opt-outs and interim coaches and everything else. I think all that kind of stuff is really fun. So uh, if you want to get involved in that too, our friends at my book could give you a chance to do that. And they've got a great holiday gift for you just for doing so. When you open up your account with my bookie, whatever you put in there up to a thousand dollars, my bookie is going to double that initial deposit for you. That means you put in 400 bucks, they'll put in 400 bucks. So in your account, you have $800 before you even win your first bet. Then after that, you play, you win, you get paid. It is literally that simple with my bookie. So find them online. Just type my book in your browser. The internet will do the work for you. And then after that, use the promo code DOGNATION, all one word, spelled the way it's supposed to be, D-A-W-G. You can find my bookie today. Use the promo code DOGNATION. Get the big deposit bonus. And then after that, enjoy winning season right here around my bookie. All right, one more thing to kind of wrap up with for you today. On Fridays, we love to kind of close at the show in style. We love the weekend around here, and we especially love Christmas weekend. And our friends at the Finish Long Drink love that too. So with all that in mind, we'll do our big finish here presented by the Finish Long Drink. And uh, Dustin Kreider sent this to me. Uh, this is really funny. So it's uh, the elf on the shelf from the uh, Kreider household here enjoying the Finish Long Drink. And how about that? The elf enjoying the Long Drink strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume. Uh, that's serious stuff for the elf there. So that's great to see. And so Dustin sent this to me, and I think that's great. And then Kelly Holbrook responded <laughs> by saying, it looks like a beer, but it's not. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail right in the can. So Kelly, uh, I should say, yeah, Kelby, I should say, pardon me. Kelby, already a terrific pitch man, great ad man there with the uh, line that we use. So Dustin, thanks for sharing that. Uh, Dustin's a great guy. And the 
Elf on the Shelf, enjoying the finished long drink. What a great way to roll into Christmas right there. Glad to see the elves having a good time, and I'm sure your elves at your house are having a lot of fun too. I know ours have been at everything here this time of year, so uh, so many of us having a great time with that. So thank you so much. And by the way, thanks to our friends at the Finish Long Drink who have been such a big part of our holiday parties and the things we've been doing uh, this time of year there as well. The Finish Long Drink, just famous for that. And if you've not tried some, if you're if the elf is on the shelf can find it, goodness knows you can find it there as well. So go ahead and do this for me. Go to thelongdrink.com. That's thelongdrink.com, and you can put in your zip code. You can find out where it is near you. Now, today's not really a day for golf courses, but there's a lot of golf courses that have to finish long drink. And there's the, the bars, the restaurants, the beverage stores, so many other things. You can try the cranberry, the long drink strong, which is 8.5% alcohol by volume. That's the one the elf on the shelf is enjoying there. The long drink zero, that's no carbs, no sugar. Uh, long drink traditional, it's the blue can. It's got the citrus flavor. It's the gin kick. And as our friend Kelby said, it looks like a beer, but it's not. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail right there in the can. So if you like you know, cocktails, mixed drinks, things like this, this is one you don't even have to mix. They've already mixed it for you. So enjoy the Finnish Long Drink today, and happy holidays to all of you, courtesy of the Finnish Long Drink. So Golden Shoe here today, and I think this is fantastic. You know, around here, we've been doing Go For Two in 22, and a lot of our Golden Shoes of late have been Go For Two in 22 themed. And I got one the other day, and I think this is fantastic. So, you know the Georgia-themed license plates? You see a, a lot of those? Well, it just so happens that one that's been in existence now for quite some time has apparently taken on some new meaning. Do we have uh, this that we can show here? Uh, somebody sent this to me. So Billy, uh, I believe it's, it's, it's a Bouchelon, I believe how you say this. He says, my wife had this license plate for years. It just dawned on me this weekend how appropriate it is. He says, hashtag go for two and 22, hashtag golden shoe. And so what the license plate is, it's the Georgia theme plate, and it says two times 22. And that's exactly right. All of a sudden, that takes on new meaning two by 22 i love that so billy thanks for sharing that and to you and your wife merry christmas happy holidays to both of you and a golden shoe going your way it's our special gift now by the way speaking of lousy stinking gators no fun gifts for them nothing but coal in their stockings in fact george will be there to deliver in person in jacksonville coming up 309 days from now boy what a great way that is to roll into the christmas weekend Merry Christmas to all of you. Happy holidays there as well. Hope you enjoy it. And come back next week. Game face is on. Getting ready to go for two in 22. So you get some Christmas weekend to enjoy. But after that, we got to get serious about football. So we'll see you then to do just that. And on the podcast, time now for the RS Andrews podcast, Cool Down. We're going to make this short here today. Uh, but I did want to kind of reach out and just send this message. I talked to our video audience a moment ago. I want to say the same thing on podcast. Y'all, it is such a great Christmas season for me because of the awesome experience I have to be able to talk to all of you each and every day and for my podcast folks. Like some of y'all have been with us since the very beginning, since literally this was just a podcast. And you kind of know the story of all the different studios we've kind of been in throughout the years. And, you know, kind of now we have a, a nice home that we're able to broadcast from each and every day. But it didn't start that way. And so for those of you who've been with us over the course of the long haul, man, I just first of all, I take that really seriously. Uh, hopefully we never waste your time. Hopefully we never make you regret the time that you spend with us. We're just really, really thankful for what you do for us here on Dog Nation Daily each and every day because you really give us the uh, platform to be able to 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 provide the show. And so I am incredibly grateful for that. And whatever the holiday season means for you, whatever Christmas is about for you, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you uh, make the most of it. And I am really excited about what happens on the other side of this because next week's going to be a great week. Go for two and 22. Getting ready for Ohio State. Getting ready for... Uh, a run towards what could be a second national championship here in consecutive seasons in the Kirby Smart era. What an awesome time and how bright the future seems to be with all the big names that George has been adding 
over the course of the uh, last couple of days. Great, great time to be a dog fan. And what a wonderful time it is for me to be able to do this show talking to all of you who are Georgia fans. So deeply, truly, sincerely from the bottom of my heart, I say Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to each and every one of you. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, Spend time with people you care about. Get some good gifts. Eat some good food. Then let's get ready after that for a great couple of weeks of what could be some really fun football. So to all of you, thanks for being a part of it. To our friends at R.S. Andrews who make the podcast cool down possible, thank you as well. Of course, find them online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. And we'll see you back here Monday for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. Merry Christmas, everybody.